Welcome to Nutrition Assessment. So <clears throat> this one is on a bit of a delay. It is the part of the audio-only portion of our synchronous Zoom call from last week in which we talked about the NFPE case scenarios that I had left you hanging on. So we're talking about NFPE case scenarios and some discussion on PES statements. If you'd like to review this part of that call, if you want the full thing, head over to Carmen for the video recording. So NFPE recap. So the Monday content, I left you with two case scenarios for malnutrition. And then I didn't give you the answers because I wanted you to try and think through the answers. So let's take a look at those. The first case scenario, 52-year-old female, history of familial adenom... I swear I know how to say this word adenomatous polyposis, got it, status post subtotal gastrectomy, partial colectomy with multiple small bowel obstructions, which is what all those abbreviations mean in case you didn't know, um, has been on home parenteral nutrition for three years, admitted with flu-like symptoms. During the workup, she was found to have hepatic abscess. Past medical history, significant for severe malnutrition. Current physician note reflects severe malnutrition as a current diagnosis. So her, her medical diagnosis is hepatic abscess, and the physician has noted that she has malnutrition, severe malnutrition. So diet history, she's been on that home parental nutrition for three years, no intake by mouth. She denies weight loss. She is stable within her usual body weight for the past six months. Her physical exam criteria are listed here on the slide. She has no edema and no um, impairment to her functional status. Her vitals are listed here. We've gone over temp and heart rate. So those are more or less within normal limits. Temp is on the high end of normal. We haven't gone over hematology yet, but we will soon. So her white blood cell count is elevated, indicative of an infection. Her albumin is depleted and her glucose is normal. So with all of that, first of all, does this patient, let's start on the severity side. Does this patient have malnutrition? What do you guys think? Comments are unmuting welcome. Yes, she does not. How is that for a horrible way to say it? You're all correct, I should say. You're all correct. She does not have malnutrition. Based on the information you are provided here, including that the, the physician notes severe malnutrition as a current diagnosis, what piece of this information might have led the physician to diagnose the patient as having severe malnutrition? All right. I love it. We have depleted albumin and then albumin with emphasis psi, low albumin, low albumin, depleted albumin, albumin. Yes. Yes. So <clears throat> albumin to recap is that negative acute, negative acute phase reactant. It goes down in the presence of inflammation. Does someone with flu-like symptoms and white blood cells um, elevated possibly a history of fever, do they have inflammation? Yes, yes they do. So most likely this person is acutely ill, right? They have flu-like symptoms and hepatic abscess. They are acutely ill, but they do not have malnutrition. 
So in terms of writing a PES statement for this, I don't really know how to write one because they don't have the problem, right? So it would be like, a, it would be like reverse PES. You'd say that there is not a problem as evidenced by, you know, all of these characteristics. She denied, there's no weight loss. You could go through and you say there's no weight loss. There is, her intake is normal um, for her. She's, you know, no evidence of muscle wasting, no evidence of fat loss, no edema, no impairment of functional status. This patient is not malnourished. So you might, in this case, have been called to see the patient because of the low albumin and because of the misunderstanding of how we use albumin in terms of um, a marker for protein status. Um, but this patient does not have malnutrition. The other one, 45-year-old female admitted through the emergency department with chief complaint of altered mental status, abdominal pain, and diarrhea. Noted weight loss with a decreased appetite for the past five days. You can see her admit weight is 125 pounds. Her height is 5'10". So you can do a quick Hamwe equation on that, determine her ideal body weight, and see if she is below an ideal body weight. Um, and then we have Crohn's disease of the small intestine diagnosed nine months prior to admission. Um, no findings in the head, inflammation of the small bowel on the CT scan, albumin is low, husband reports patient with no appetite, only 25% of intake for the past few months. Here are our physical characteristics. So does this patient have malnutrition? Yes, we have two extremes, right? We have one that is definitely not malnourished and one that definitely is malnourished, severe malnutrition. It's helpful to start, I think, with the extremes um, because it's very clear cut. This patient is malnourished, this patient is not. So for the PES statement, did anyone take a stab at writing their own PES statement for this one? Anyone wanna guess or look at the next slide? So I went ahead and put this um, slide in in case it's helpful to see it all written out. Um, but we would have severe malnutrition of chronic illness. So this is her Crohn's was um, diagnosed nine months prior. So that's, that's chronic. Severe malnutrition of chronic illness related to inadequate intake. So her husband says she's not eating. She was at less than 25% of her intake, typical intake, as evidenced by 16% weight loss in the past nine months. So that's one of our criteria. Um, consuming less than 25% of energy needs for greater than one month. That's two of our criteria. Severe bilateral muscle atrophy of upper body. That's three of our criteria. Severe loss of subcutaneous fat to orbital fat pads, triceps, and ribs. That's four out of six criteria. Yes, we have severe um, malnutrition in this case. So that's an example of a PES statement where you start with the malnutrition. So when you, when you do the diagnosis for NFPE, for, you need to say, is malnutrition present or not? If it is present, is it severe or non-severe? And then what is the context? What is the etiology of this? So severe malnutrition of chronic illness would be the start of your PES statement for this particular patient. Um, and then you would say related to, and we can say inadequate intake with her Crohn's disease. You could say it's, it's possible. You could also say, um, altered absorption or impaired absorption, but we already know that she's consuming less than 25% of her energy needs for greater than one month. So she's definitely having inadequate intake and that's, that's enough.
So related to inadequate intake. So as evidenced by, so what are we evidencing? We're evidencing the severe malnutrition, right? So the evidence that we have to support severe malnutrition is the weight loss, the inadequate intake, muscle loss, and fat loss. Does that make sense for the PES statement? Better question. What questions do you still have about writing PES statements for NFPE? Because it's totally okay to still have questions. When there's something listed like chronic illness, just like that, I've seen like you put in parentheses, like you would put Crohn's or something. Like when do you specify certain things or if it's like altered lab values, do you put in parentheses like which lab values are altered? Um, if you're putting in the signs and symptoms and you're saying as evidenced by altered lab values, yes, I would put the lab values in there. For the problem piece of the PES statement, um, there's no harm in writing severe malnutrition of chronic illness, parentheses Crohn's, right? Just to be very clear that we're talking about the Crohn's. Um, so yeah, it, I, I don't, I don't think you can go wrong by having more detail. Okay. Thanks. So I kind of have a question about PES statements in general. Mm -hmm. Um, in undergrad, we were kind of told that you shouldn't put like a medical diagnosis in there. Is that just for the problem or can you still use the medical diagnosis as the etiology or do you have any insight on that? So PES statements are hard to write. Can we just, can we get, get that out there that they're, they're challenging to write? Um, yes, the PES statement should just be your nutrition diagnosis. You should not, you would never say um, patient has diet, you know, problem is diabetes. You're not there to diagnose diabetes. That's not, that's not within our scope of practice. Um, so in that case, you would write something like um, excessive carbohydrate intake um, related to poor education regarding recent diagnosis of diet. Like, so you, you don't want to put... <clears throat> Let me see how I can phrase this. You don't want to write it such that it appears that you are the one diagnosing the patient with Crohn's, right? Because you are not qualified to diagnose Crohn's. But if the patient already has a diagnosis of Crohn's and that is relevant, um, what you're diagnosing in this case is severe malnutrition, which is within our scope of chronic illness. And the chronic illness was already diagnosed by the physician. That's, an, that's a separate diagnosis. Chelsea, does that distinction make any sense at all whatsoever? Yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. It just was kind of confusing sometimes, but that helps. If it's only confusing sometimes, you're way ahead of the curve. Can I just say? I think it's confusing a lot of the time. Um, all right. So first of all, who who is Judy the Yellow Purple Elephant? Because that's just fantastic. Who renamed themselves Judy the Yellow Purple Elephant? I just need to know. Um, what do you say if they're eating a normal amount, but are vomiting and not keeping it down? So like hyperemesis, basically they're, they're just a ton of vomiting. Um, Peter, what would you do for that one? If they just can't keep food down, are we talking altered GI function? What, what will we, what we go with there? 
That'd be my first choice, but I'd have to, I, you know, I'd need to see more of the problem and see how long this has been going on to see, is this, is this, is, are you going to use that as a sign and symptom uh, for something else, right? So that, or do we have reduced intakes? Have we seen uh, weight loss? Oh, but they're eating a normal amount. Susie, you can be Judy the Yellow Purple Elephant. That's fine. I'm all, I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. That works. I just thought it was funny. So yeah, I think I would agree with Peter. It would help to, um, <laughs> you should be able to, oh, oh, it doesn't matter. Um, you should be able to rename yourself at any time. Uh, it, we would need to know more of the context on that one. Carly wants to know, can we go over the difference between diagnosing non-severe and severe malnutrition? So this is a great question. Like, is it the number of criteria um, that takes us from non-severe to severe? And no, it's not the number of criteria. For each of the criteria, there is a severe category and a non-severe category. So if you had non-severe, so we could rewrite this patient. And if they'd only lost a little bit of weight, um, and if they were consuming maybe 75% of their energy needs and only lost a little bit of muscle and only lost a little bit of fat, then that would be non-severe malnutrition, right? So you could still have four out of six criteria, but if for each of those criteria, the, um, the cut point is in the non-severe line, which if you haven't come to lab, it's Carly, have you, I'm through there yesterday or not. Um, we have printouts of those pocket guides um, for everyone to take home. So if they're falling into the non-severe line and you have four out of six, but they're all non-severe, then it is non-severe malnutrition. Does that distinction help? Yeah, that makes sense. I was just thinking, what if like out of those four, there's like three non-severe and then one severe, then would that be considered severe? I don't know. Or does that ever happen? It, it could. Anything's possible. Okay. Um, so I, for my part, I would say if any one of the things are severe, you're looking at severe malnutrition. Um, okay. but I don't, I don't know that every practitioner would agree with me. Um, Peter, you actually do NFPE on a regular basis. Where would you land on that? If, if they had four criteria and three were non-severe, but one was severe, would you call it severe or non-severe malnutrition? I also have to know more that like what 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 is their clinical diet like they clinically underweight are there other things that's like okay this is already this is a big problem are you know is it also related to you like with Crohn's disease are they having a flare like are they a, a, a malabsorbing I, it's it's you know and, and when it's severe it's it's really tricky like is it severe is it non-severe where do you draw the line and, and it's hard to tell and you've seen from the pictures that um you know, only when you've seen that real, the, the protein losses, the fat losses, it's like, where is this person at? It, and somebody put in, in their muddiest, like a clinical judgment. Somebody's like, muddiest point is like, when do you use your clinical judgment? And that's after you've done this for a while, it's like, what's severe, what's not severe? Every case is different. So you've got to look at the big picture of the person. Like, okay, what are their intakes looking like? What is their, are they like, uh, in that one case scenario, it was like 17.9 BMI. Okay, that's clinically underweight. So I, it, again, it's tricky, but it, you know, it, it just, if you told me just three non-severe and one severe, well, how severe is a severe? What is that related to? So here's the thing with that too. Are you going to treat a patient with non-severe malnutrition? 
right? Like they still have a problem. You're still going to treat non-severe malnutrition. So um, it's not entirely a moot point. It does matter that we document the severity of, of the malnutrition. Um, but in terms of getting that patient adequate nutrition or getting supplements started or what have you, the most important piece is that you document that there is malnutrition present and we are going to intervene and we're going to fix this. So um, that's, that's how I would approach it. Carly, does that help at all? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Oh, okay. So in this class, I would say one severe criteria is enough to push you into severe malnutrition, but Dr. Roberts and Dr. Orchard said that you'd have to meet two severe criteria to be diagnosed with severe malnutrition. So here's the thing. You're going to run into this when you get out to your dietetic internship as well, that you have preceptors who do things slightly differently. And it's not because we're trying to make your life difficult, believe it or not. Um, it's because we all have clinical judgment and we do things differently. Also, I should mention, Dr. Roberts is in clinical, clinical practice on a weekly basis. Uh, Peter is in clinical practice on a weekly basis. I haven't seen a clinical patient in four years. Took me way too long to think of that, right? So it would be fine to defer to Dr. Roberts' expertise and say you have to meet two severe criteria to be diagnosed with severe malnutrition. What do you think, Peter? What was your experience as an intern? Did every preceptor you have do everything the same way? No, quite a few would, would, didn't even use PES. This is a while ago though, so, but not, they didn't all use PES and I had learned how to use PES. And so what are you supposed to, I just, okay. I just, you know, I write my notes according to what I was supposed to do for my internship and according to what I learned uh, at school. And so I was like, okay, but I didn't ever, you know, call them out on it, but you will see different things. And I would- I did soap notes. That's how long it's been. I did soap notes. Subjective, objective, assessment, and plan. That's a soap note. I, I did want to mention something though. Like, and I think you guys all have the book, the Nutrition uh, Therapy and Pathophysiology. And like on page, so page for like when you're thinking about uh, putting together the, your PES statements, just like the general framework on page, starts on page 29, criteria for evaluating PES. It's a good little thing. It's just like always a refresher. Um, like for the problem, can the dietetics practitioner impact, improve, or resolve the nutrition problem? And, and I think what I've mentioned before is what I always, you know, don't make things harder on yourself. I always start intakes. Are intakes really low? Are intakes normal? Are they excessive? I always start, when I start, look at my, start a PES, I'm like, okay, let's look for intakes. Is that the easiest thing that I can go, you know, making the most difference here? Where, or where I will make the most difference? And is that the biggest problem? So I will start there. But I also want to say that we want, also want to work on putting together for the index, like sample, sample PES is for you, just so you know. And uh, like, I want to make a sample PES and then break it down, this, 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 where it came from. Okay. Yeah, I look at PES statements as kind of like learning a new language. There's a, there's a vocabulary to it. There's an order to it. There's a syntax to it. Um, and then particularly when we get into using standardized terminologies and the electronic nutrition care process terminal and terminology, it's, it's literally another language. That terminology is, is a different language, um, which we'll talk about a little bit when we get to informatics, which is one of my fun, my most fun things to do. Um, but that's, that's, we'll get there. We've, we've got enough on our plates right now. Mm -hmm.